Welcome to Growing You, part of LaGrave CRC's adult education program. In this session, we hear from author, speaker, prayer mobilizer, and spiritual formation chair Jolene Dehir as she helps us take our prayer life to another level. She leads examples of how to pray with scripture and offers numerous examples of how we can deepen our prayer life listening and talking to God. You're listening to Growing With One Another, Developing a Vibrant Prayer Life. Well, good morning, everybody. And thank you for coming. No matter how many times I do this, there's this little word going, nobody's going to come join. It's going to be you and a one-eyed dog, and that's it. And so thank you very much for showing up. I'm always very humbled and honored when I get to um, present here at LaGrave because, first of all, I love this church so much, but also because of the quality of, of speakers that you have. And so thank you for this, this privilege. So I think it's fair to begin by saying that one of God's great gifts of grace to us is the gift of prayer. And like any other grace that we receive over and over again, it is so easy to take it for granted or to let it become mundane or rote. I remember when we used to live in San Diego, California, and it was 75 degrees to 80 degrees every single day with sunshine. Being the weather forecaster in San Diego had to be the most boring job that anybody ever did, you know? And I did not appreciate that weather until I moved here to Grand Rapids in January. <laughs> then I really appreciated sunshine. Just even like our breath, I didn't appreciate what a gift healthy lungs were until I watched my husband pass away from pulmonary fibrosis. So prayer is one of God's great gifts of grace. In fact, I would guess those of you who've been raised in the church and many of us who've walked with Jesus for a very long time have done it so much that sometimes it loses its vibrancy, it loses its... Um, its ability to touch us in a place, a way that we want to be touched. And so how do, we, how do we get outside of that? I would guess many of you were prayed for before you were born. I remember, I just might mention this, that I just became a great-grandma. And while that little one was being knit together in his mama's womb, I was praying over him way before he even got born. When I found out about him, he was this big, and we called him Bean. And now he's called Charles. But... Um, you know, so you've been prayed over. You were taught prayers as little kids. Prayers were part of your uh, daily ebb and flow of life. And so prayer was a very real part of who you are. But sometimes when it, it's, it just can become something that is rote, something that we do to check it off because it's the thing that we do. So how can we make our prayer lives more vibrant, more passionate, more real? And I would, today I just want to talk about one way, and there are many ways we can do that, but the way I want to talk about today is using Scripture to help our prayer lives take on another dimension to take us deeper into this relationship with God. So, as we begin, by the way, if you need a handout, they're on the, on the back table back there. But before we begin, there's two important realities that I think we need to remember as we come into prayer. And that is that in prayer... We are coming into the presence of God. When Emily bowed in just a few moments ago, and we bowed our heads, something absolutely outstanding and amazing happened that we've come to take for granted. 
ordinary, broken people like us came into the presence of Yahweh, the one who spoke and the earth was created, the one who shakes mountains. And if you've ever been in an earthquake, you know that takes a lot of power. I remember my first earthquake when I was in San Diego. I'd been dieting, which I'm always dieting. And I thought that I was just hadn't eaten enough that day, so I ate my way through the whole first earthquake I ever had. But or, or the God who's so powerful that his breath is, it, it can just move the, um, the waves and the wind. In fact, if you've ever been in a hurricane, I've only been in one, and that was enough. And I was supposedly on the good side. Did you know there's a good side to a hurricane? Yeah, uh-uh. And, but, but God's breath was, the hurricane was nothing to him. He is all-powerful. He is majestic. He is mighty. He is glorious. Now, the Old Testament people did not take that for granted. Only one person, a man, the high priest, got to go into his presence and only once a year. And he had to go kill a bull. Now, that's messy work. Have you ever thought about what a mess that had to be around the altar? It was like a butcher shop. They're killing those bulls. And then he had to offer the sacrifice, and he had to confess all of his sins and all of the sins of Israel. And then he takes the sacrifice, and I, I just, I've got this very vivid imagination. And so I imagine him walking through the, the courts and through the holy place, and he gets up to the curtain. And on the other side of the curtain is the Holy of Holies. And in the Holy of Holies is dwelling the Shekinah glory of God the holy God, and if he has not confessed all of his sins or the sins of Israel, he will be struck down dead. Now, Pastor Mike, you can tell me, I heard that they tied rope to his ankle. In case he died, they could pull him out. That's, so that's true, huh? Okay. So, you know, and I imagine that poor man being scared out of his mind. Wouldn't you be? I mean, my hands would just be shaking. It's like, did I do it right? Did I do it right? And, and I, I probably would stick a little toe in to see if that died first. But, and then he goes into the presence of God. It was awe-inspiring. But when Emily led us in prayer, we weren't afraid. There was no fear in our hearts. You know why? Because 2,000 years ago, the God-man Jesus Christ took all those sins. Every sin I've ever committed, you've ever committed, all of humanity is ever committed. And something I will never be able to grasp, he carried them all, all of them. And when he said, it is finished, the temple curtain was torn in two from top to bottom, and it wasn't just a little curtain. I understand it's, I've heard anywhere from five to eight inches thick. And Jesus Christ went before us, as it says in Hebrews, behind the curtain. He opened the door so ordinary people come into the presence of God. When we go to prayer, it should take our breath away. We're in God's presence. We should have holy fear, holy reverence, holy wonder. We're praying. We're coming into God's presence. But all that holy fear is tempered with the assurance that this greater, sovereign, holy, majestic God is also Abba. Abba, Father, 
who loves us more than we will ever comprehend, a Father who welcomes us, who delights over us with singing, who quiets us with his love. This God says, come, my children, come. It's like a little grandchild. I remember when my little granddaughter was about two and a half, three, and, you know, when they're that little, the grandparents are still everything, you know? Now that my grandkids are in their 20s, they're like, yeah, whatever. But then, you know, it's grandpa and grandma. And Dave came home from work, and she was standing there, and she got so excited that he was home. She was just like this, like, oh, he's home, he's home, he's home. And she just ran to him, and she grabbed him. And David said to me, you know, you never greet me like that. <laughs> so I did the next day. And he asked me never do it again. But we want our grandchildren to come into our arms. That's the way our Abba feels. He wants you to come. He wants to hear your heart. He wants to hear your anger. He wants to hear your joy. He wants to hear your doubt. He wants to hear your fears. He is waiting for you. And so we need to come with confidence to receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. We are entering the presence of God. The second thing that we need to remember is that prayer is a conversation with God that leads us into a deeper relationship. I would guess if you're like most of us, a lot of your prayer is about talking. And so you talk and you praise him, which is we need to do, he deserves it. We talk to thank him, which he deserves. We talk to confess, which we need to do. We talk to ask for things. But conversation is a two-way street. This is not a conversation. This is a lecture. Actually, this is what I like, me talking, you listening. But a good, if you're to have a relationship with anybody, you need, to, you need to listen and you need to talk. Imagine what it would be like with your spouse or your child or your coworker. If you did all the talking, even if you told them, I just all these nice things that you love about them and how much you appreciate them and you thank them for everything they've done for you and you even apologize for stuff that you've done and you ask them for things if they could please do this. And that's all that happened in the relationship. There would be no relationship. So one of the problems that we run into sometimes is that our prayers get to be just all about talking and we don't know how to listen to God. And he is longing to share his love with us. This is the holy, living word of God. This is how he most clearly communicates with us, right here. And it's, if you could think of this as a love letter, it's like, this is how much I love you. This is what I want for you. This is how you can live faithfully before me. This is who I am. This is who you are in me. This book is living and alive and vibrant and real. And there's a lot of ways we can read it. We can read it to study it. We can read it for knowledge. We can read it to exegete it, to write a sermon. There's a lot of ways we can process this book. But if you see it as God speaking to you, it becomes an intimate way to get into relationship with him. And so using scripture to listen to God is, is a very important part of keeping our prayer life vibrant and real and moving forward. So with those two things in mind, I would like to talk to you today about how to use Scripture to listen to God and how to use Scripture to talk to God. So are you ready? Here we go. So the, because listening, I think, is the hardest thing that we 
it to learn to do because it's not something we do naturally. Is, and so we're going to let's begin there because I want to be sure we take the time to get there. There have been two spiritual prayer practices that have helped me more than anything else to enter into a deeper, more vibrant, intimate, powerful, passionate relationship with God than anything else. And those are the two I want to share with you. There's many others, but I just want to present two of them to you today. And on your handouts, you'll see the first one is something called Lectio Divina. Um, I'm sure some of you are familiar with this. Um, is, how many of you know about Lectio and have practiced Lectio? Okay. So there's a fair number of you who know, but if you permit me, we'll go through this so that um, we can all be on the same page. Basically, it's Latin for holy or sacred reading. And as you can see, it is conducted in four stages. The first part is the lectio or the reading and listening part. So what you do is you choose a portion of scripture. And I would like to suggest that you choose smaller portions of scripture simply because there is just too much grace in this book to, to comprehend it all. Like, okay, I'm going to read Philippians for my devotions tonight. I can't read, Philippians is just too full. I can maybe get three verses, you know. But then, but here's the cool thing about taking smaller ones. Then they kind of stay in your mind better, and all the next day you can be processing what you read. It's easier to, and so it, you kind of live into it a little bit more. So choose a smaller portion of Scripture, and as like it says here, any passage will do. But, um, and then you ask the Lord to speak to you through the passage. It's very important that we state our intent to hear. You know, speak, Lord, your servant is listening. That should be the prayer as we begin uh, doing our Lectio. And then we read the passage through slowly to ourselves. And then as you're reading it, you become aware of how the Spirit might be drawing your attention to a word, a phrase, a group of words that kind of maybe leap out of you, at you through that, uh, that scripture passage. So after you read it through twice, slowly, then you begin the second stage, and that's the meditating or pondering stage. And so you focus on those words. You allow them to sift through your mind, and you become aware of images, memories, um, feelings, emotions that are coming into your mind. And, what, and you say, Lord, what do you want me to hear? You continue to pray that prayer. What do you want me to hear? What are you trying to tell me? And so you listen to the Lord speak to you through that. Now, here's the interesting thing. Um, a lot of times when I teach this, I will actually practice this with the people. We don't have time to do that. But I find it so fascinating that what I will do is after the first stage, I'll have people share the word or the phrase of words. Now, we're all reading the very same scripture, right? But every, most everybody's got a different word. The Lord, because you're coming with a different need than I'm coming with. But God knows my need. He knows yours. And so he speaks a word to you. But even when people choose the same word, after they meditate on it, often the message they've heard is different. Again, because God knows you and what you need to hear to grow and to, to develop. So then you meditate on that. Now, I encourage people when they first start this, if you're not used to um, contemplative uh, resting in the word or resting in, in just listening, start out with maybe like three minutes so that you're comfortable with that. And as you get more comfortable with that, expand the time. Kind of an average time of people who practice this a lot is to spend about 20 minutes in this period. The more you do this, the longer you're gonna to want to spend because you, you, I don't know, 
It's hard to describe the connection that you start getting when you feel the Spirit of God bringing things to your mind and being that teacher and guide that Jesus promised he would be. Then it just, it is such a gift you almost don't want to leave that space of hearing God speak to you. So then whatever you heard him say, you move on then to the third phase, which is the responding, and you pray back to God what you heard him say to you. So, um, and, and so it might be, as it says here, maybe you found an area in your life that needs some work. Uh, maybe you find that you are grateful for something. You wish to express some needs um, that you need to work on. You know, there's just a whole lot of different ways that you can pray. It can be prayer of confession, a prayer of thanksgiving, a prayer of supplication, whatever, but just speak it back to God. So that now you've had this conversation. God's talked to you. You're going to talk back to God. And then once you feel your prayer coming to an end, you enter this fourth phase, which is kind of a, a time of just resting in God's presence. You know, one of the things that I miss um, about my husband, having my husband is when you really love somebody, you can just be in their presence without talking. And there's great comfort in that. And when you really love God, just to be in his presence, we don't know how just to be. We're so busy doing. So, and that can take a short time, and then you just say amen and move on. So, um, any, any questions about Lectio Divina? Uh, anything that maybe some of you have um, practiced in the past or, or insights that you might have had for those of you who've done this before? Anybody? Well, let me suggest to you, if you've never done this, a good way to get started I don't know if you're familiar with this book. It's called Seeking God's Face. It's put out by Faith Alive. You can buy it at Baker or, I don't know, can we even go to the bookstore at the denominational building now? I don't even know if it's open. It's still closed? So, but you can get this at Baker. And what is cool, I'd come and show you up close, but I'm tethered here. They pff, tied me like a dog to the stand. But so, I know you probably can't see this really well, but here, it started back in 2010. Yeah. And then every, for every day, it'll have the date, and it goes through. So I've been using this since 2011. And, and then, so it starts out with an invitation that, from Psalms for you to just be quiet, and then, and then you, after you read that, you're quiet. Then it has a reading from the Psalm and a reading from, uh, from either the Old or the New Testament. And then it, it tells you about dwelling, which, like this one says, Read again slowly, find a word or phrase that catches your eye or moves your heart. Slowly repeat it, pray your thoughts, desires, needs, feelings from your meditation. Enjoy the presence of the Lord and Savior. So, and then it has free prayer suggestions for things to pray for. And what I love about that is it's stuff I wouldn't have thought about. Like this one suggests that you pray for people who work in agriculture. Wouldn't have thought about that. So it's just kind of a neat way it expands your mind. And then it has a prayer that's usually based on um, one of these two scripture passages and then a blessing from the word. Yes? Um, the author of the uh, let's see, who, who put this? It is uh, written by Philip Reinders. Yeah. I, pardon me? Oh, thank you. Uh, Phil Reinders, R-E-I-N-D-E-R-S. So anyway, this is a good, if you've never done Lectio before, to kind of introduce you into that and, and give you some direction. So I highly recommend that. Just 
Philip Reinders. Oh, oh, I'm sorry. Seeking God's face. Seeking God's face. This, I really, this is getting really tattered. I think this, so it goes to 2025. See, when you get old, you're going to have to do this too. No, 2026. So you've got a few years that you can still use it. So I hope when that comes, they do it again, because I've, I use this every single night. And then here's what's really cool. Oh, I just love it. So whatever word God speaks to me through this, then I pray over my intercessory prayer list. Because when, you, when you're praying for people again and again and again every night, you know, what do you say? You know, if, if you're praying for healing, as Lord heal them. Yeah, okay, I heard that, Jolene. What else do you want for them? Because they need more than healing. So if the Lord tells me that I need to be more merciful, then I, I pray that over my intercessory prayer. What's more powerful to pray over people than the Word of God? And it keeps my intercessory prayer list more vibrant and real and um, because you're praying God's word over people. So that's really cool. That's how another way Lectio has really blessed me and, and my moving forward. A second way is um, dwelling in the word. Now, Pastor Christie has a phrase that she calls your holy imagination. I, I love that term. And when you think about it, we are the only ones of God's creatures who are made in his image, and we're the only ones who have an imagination. So I'm thinking... This is one of the attributes of God, and we may as well use it. So um, instead of just reading through a story, and this really works well for the stories we have heard again and again and again, right? Um, And there's so much more depth to them than you can grasp in just a reading. So we need to stop and dwell in it. And as you can see here in your handouts, dwelling in the Word is a spiritual discipline that encourages you to use your holy imagination and all your senses to enter the story of Scripture and experience it in addition to just reading it. So I'm going to, we're going to practice that here. It'll just, it won't take us a long time. I won't, we won't stay here for a long time at all, but just to give you a sense of it. And so what you do, I just wrote questions down there that you can... Uh, used to model questions you would ask about yourself. There are questions that help you um, use all of your senses and enter into the story. So I'm going to read a very small story that you've heard a hundred times, and then I'm going to ask you to close your eyes and imagine yourself in that story. Try to form that picture of you being in that story, and then I'm going to ask these questions. And um, and it'll, hopefully it'll help you to, to experience the story in a new way. Maybe get some new revelation of who you are, who God is, what he wants of you, what he has to offer you. Does that make sense to everybody? So I invite you now to close your eyes. And this is the word of the Lord from Mark chapter 10. The little children and Jesus. People were bringing little children to Jesus for him to place his hands on them. But the disciples rebuked them. When Jesus saw this, he was indignant, and he said to them, Let the little children come to me, and do not hinder them, for such the kingdom of God belongs to them. Truly, I tell you, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. And he took the children in his arms, he placed his hands on them, and he blessed them. Now keep your eyes closed. Keep using your holy imagination and let these questions guide you. Where do you see yourself in this story? What are you wearing?
What emotions are you feeling? What do you smell? What do you hear? What are other people saying? Where is Jesus and what is he doing? How does he look? What can you read in his eyes? What is he saying to you? How does his voice sound? Do you want to approach him? What do you feel as you approach him? How do you feel at this moment? What do you want to say back to him? Amen. So if we had time, we could spend more, you could spend more time living into this word. But do you see how that, how that takes you into the story in a new way, in a fresh way, and hopefully revitalizes the story? Think about Peter walking on the water or the Israelites standing at the foot of the mountain as the clouds come down. I mean, just so many stories that we've heard again and again to make them really come alive. Or imagine standing at the foot of the cross and dwell in the word. But the word has to be our, um, our foundation. It is God's word. One thing, you know, a very important thing I forgot to, to mention about both Lectio and this. As you enter into this holy space and you are opening yourself up to a teaching from the Holy Spirit, it's important to pray a prayer of protection over you. That only the things of God can come through that nothing from the evil realm can make an assignment against you and, and lead you astray. So it's very important to stay that, say that prayer as well as to state your intent to listen. So I'm glad that the Lord brought that back to my mind because that's, that's key. So that's listening to God in prayer. But let's talk about talking to him. Um, again, our prayers can become very rote. In fact, I remember David's father... <laughs> You knew right where we were in the prayer. And, and he had this cadence to it, too. You almost felt like you were on the sea. I don't know if you ever, you know, and we were praying around the world, and the food's getting cold, and you're like, oh, you know. But um, so how do we make uh, talking to God more vibrant? Well, I think one of the things that we need to remember, and so and this, this pastor right here does extremely well, is the Psalms are basically a prayer book. And to use the Psalms as a guideline for your prayer. And, and Mike, I thank you for the way you do that. I love it when you pray. And it just uh, takes me to a whole other level of, of grace. So you see the Psalms as, as your prayer guide. But also something as simple as the Lord's Prayer. You know, we whip through that so fast. So, but how about if we took it apart, like our Father? God, how I praise and thank you that you've chosen me to be your daughter. I thank you that you set out rules and boundaries for me because you love me so much. I thank you that you're always there for me and you have only my best interests in mind. Thank you for being my Abba, my Papa. And it's, for me, I, I never had an earthly dad who knew how to love me. So God's the only father I've ever really known. But you know what? He's more than enough. He's a perfect father. 
our Father who art in heaven. He's not a statue sitting on a pedestal somewhere. He's alive. He's real. I praise you, Father, that you are holy. You are just. You are living. You are relevant. You are, you know, if take it apart. Hallowed be your name. I praise you that you are holy. You are just. In you there is righteousness. And so just instead of whipping through it real quickly, take it apart and just live in it for a while and experience it in a different way. In your prayers of intercession, using this word, when you, especially when you're not really sure what to say. I remember when my sweet son, I only got one, but, you know, God goes, oh, I'll make it worth her while. Uh, was in, when he was in high school, he went through some years of making some not-so-good choices. And you get to the point where you don't even know how to pray for the kid anymore, Right? So I started praying these words over that boy every single day because I didn't know what to pray for him. And I prayed from Philippians 1, 9, and 10 that his love would abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight so that he would be able to discern what is best and he would be pure and blameless for the day of Christ Jesus. And God answered that prayer. And now I got a 47-year-old baby who loves Jesus Christ and serves him with all of his heart. But, but using... Um, prayer, and, and as I said, to use the word that God spoke over you in Lectio. So in, in your intercessory prayer life, instead of just praying for healing or for restoration of relationship or whatever the, the need is, pray scripture in addition to that. And that will help your uh, intercessory prayer life come alive. When prayers of um, scripture are, are excellent when you are totally overwhelmed. Um, when Dave and I, when when David's in the, um, when it was getting really close to David um, dying, actually before that, I would sit on his bed every morning, totally overwhelmed. I thought we were going to retire together. I thought we were going to work for World Renew. I thought we were going to do all kinds of great things. And then we heard, um, not only are you in pulmonary failure, but you're going into cardiac failure. There's nothing more we can do for you. I'm going to be a widow. I've got to pay taxes. I've got to take out the garbage. How am I going to handle all of that? So every morning I'd sit on his bed and we would read these words, and I still read them. This is from Lamentations chapter 3. I love the way verse 21 starts. This is yet. The importance of coming to God when you're overwhelmed, honestly and openly, whether it's anger or doubt or frustration, God can take it. I have run to him so many times. I'd love to tell you, I've had 12 miscarriages, and I would love to tell you that every single time I said, oh, the Lord giveth, the Lord taketh away, blessed be the name of the Lord, but I didn't. I was so mad at God. And yet, he never pushed me away. He would just hold me in his arms as I prayed. And he would let me bear my heart. And then he would speak to me from his word. But you need to get to that but yet moment. So you need to be honest. Just like David so much in the Psalms. He would just pour out his heart to God. How long, O oh Lord? And yet, but yet, 
that I love that word yet. And this is where this starts out yet, because Jeremiah's just been complaining. I mean, he's, his teeth hurt, his bones ache, everything. I mean, he's probably 74 like me. So he says, yet I call to mind and therefore I have hope. Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed for his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. And I say to myself, the Lord is my portion. Therefore, I will wait for him. So when you're going through those times, these kinds of scriptures become the foundation of our prayer, become the hope of our prayer, become the reason that we can take it to God, claim it, and move forward, even when our world is falling apart around us. So using scripture when you're feeling overwhelmed. And this word is so full of um, opportunities for us to praise God. Sometimes I get so full, my heart is so full of praise, I don't know how to find the words to express it. He's too, too wonderful. He's just too great, too big. And so I use scripture because um, and I've written down several places there. Romans, the, at the end of uh, chapter 11, has just a beautiful, and I know you've read this many times as well, that really helps me just to praise him, to stop and think about reasons to praise him. Um, here we go. Oh, the depth of the riches of the wisdom and the knowledge of God. How unsearchable his judgments and his paths beyond tracing out. Who has known the mind of the Lord or who has been his counselor or who has ever given to God that God should repay them? For from him and through him and for him are all things. To him be glory forever and ever. And it gives expression to my heart. Or Psalm 103. Praise the Lord, O my soul, and all my inmost being. Praise his holy name. He what? Forgives all my sins. Stop right there and confess them. You know, and I'm going to talk about the prayer of confession in a little bit. Cause, but the truth of the matter is, that's, I don't know if you're anything like me, but that's probably the shortest part of my prayer. It should be the longest part. You know what I'm saying? We like to go like, Jesus, forgive us our many sins. He's going, okay, I've already done that. But do you know what you've done? Do you know that when you spoke with that friend of yours, that was gossip? Do you know when you didn't let that guy in front of you because he was driving like an idiot? That's not showing mercy. That's showing judgment. You know, he just, actually, I, could, I would not have to have confession so much if I didn't have to drive and there weren't stupid people on the road. I could be a much better Christian. But, you know, um, we need to just... He forgives all my sins. He heals all my diseases. One of the things I've learned to do as I've gotten older, as I lay in bed, I thank God for all the working body parts. You know? I praise Him that I got a mind that works. I can see. I can hear. I can taste. I got my musculoskeletal system is working. I can walk. I mean, so many of my friends at Raybrook are in their little walkers. You know? And um, I've got an endocrine, endocrine system that works. I mean, it's just our bodies are a miracle of grace that we take for granted. Health is a gift. And again, it's just one of the gifts we take for granted. So he heals all my diseases. He redeems my life from the pit, from those times of the shame and the guilt that we take. He, he reaches down to the muck and the mire, and he gently lifts us up, and he sets us on, on a rock that is higher than I, and that rock's name is Jesus Christ. And he gives us a place to stand. And prayer helps us, and these scriptures help us to pray these things. And so these prayers of praise, and then praise of thanksgiving. Again, so much to thank God for. But Psalm 8, um, as we all, a very, again, a very familiar scripture. But sometimes these scriptures can take on a whole new um, 
a life when you when you use them as prayer and when you take the time to to walk with them in prayer. Psalm eight, just first. Well, I was in here earlier. Here it is. Oh, Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You have set your glory in the heavens. Through the praise of your children and infants, you have established stronghold against your enemies. And this goes on. It talks about the birds and the flocks. And, and that, what is man that you are mindful of him? The son of man that you should care for. <sighs> Again, that awe. Who, who am I? That you, the God, sovereign God of the universe, would look down and you would know my name. I've called you by name, and you are mine. I remember the night I met Jesus Christ as my Lord. He called my name. Out of all the people on this planet, he knew that I was Jolene, and I was his little girl. And he had written about me before I was even born. And even though nobody else wanted me, he did. Uh, Yes, exactly, exactly. And then prayer is a confession. It is so easy to look at everybody, everybody else and go, you know, I'm, I'm doing pretty good. Yep, yep. And, and I, ha- I have a good prayer life, and I go to Bible study, and I'm church two times on Sunday. And, but then if you go, like, say, for one of the things I like to do, well, I really don't like it because it's kind of painful, but um, I do it anyway. First uh, Corinthians 13, which, as you well know, is the love chapter. But, again, what I do is, Love, of course, is the representation of who God is. God is love. And if we are his followers, we should be love. So if I put my name in for the word love, and I wonder how well I'm doing as a disciple of Jesus Christ, here's how it reads. Jolene is patient, even with stupid drivers. Jolene is kind. She does not envy. She does not boast. She is not proud. She does not dishonor others. She is not self-seeking. She is not easily angered. She keeps no record of wrongs. Jolene does not delight in evil, but rejoices in the truth. She always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres, and Jolene never fails. And that is not true. Jolene has a lot of confessing to do on her knees. And then places like Colossians 3 that talk about clothing ourselves with the attributes of God. You know, so it really helps our confession life be more vibrant. And then claiming God's promises. Um, Got to watch my time here. Claiming God's promises. I just wrote a few down there, and they're, they're probably familiar, very familiar to you. But using those promises as the foundation of your prayers. And also we can learn from the prayers of uh, others in Scripture. There, again, when you don't know what to pray, when you're unsure, when your heart is too full, too heavy, um, David's prayer of faith, David's prayer of confession, Jonah's prayer of submission and reliance on God, and Job's prayer of confession and repentance. So these are just a few suggestions to help you take your prayer life to another level of intimacy with God, to make it more vibrant, more powerful, to make you feel that your father is walking beside you. Your father was never going to leave you. Your father has called you to be his beloved child. He has a calling on your life. It gives us worth. It gives us purpose. It gives us hope. It gives us joy. And that's one of the gifts of prayer. So my, I would like to end our time together by giving you an opportunity to listen to God. And I'm going to use um, this, this book. It's very ratty. It's called His Gifts to Me by Marie Chapian. 
I actually got to meet her. She lived uh, not too far from me in San Diego. And what Marie does is she takes a scripture and then she uh, writes a, a, like a prayer as if Jesus were speaking to us. So it's uh, like from Jesus to us. Does that make sense? So I want to invite you to close your eyes. Imagine yourself sitting across from God or Jesus or both. And then listen to him speak to you these words. My beloved child, I have searched you and known you. I know when you sit down and when you rise up. I understand your thoughts from any distance. I scrutinize the choices you make and I am with you when you lie down to sleep. I am intimately acquainted with all of your ways. Even before you utter a word, I know it. I have enclosed you with my protection and love from before and behind, and my hand is always upon you. And so I ask you, where can you go from my spirit? Where can you run from my presence? If you try to scale a ladder to heaven, I am there. If you take a backpack trip to the depths, I will be there. If you climb upon the wings of the morning on an early flight to the ends of the earth, or if you book a passage on a ship and live in its belly in the center of the sea, my hand will be there to help you. My right hand is able to protect you and hold you close. Oh, my dearest one, with storm-tossed thoughts, think on this. My mind is in your mind. My spirit is over your spirit. Myself is in yourself. My presence is in your presence. For I saw you before you could be seen, and I wrote about you when there was nothing to write about. For my thoughts of you outnumber the sands, and the speed of light cannot outrun me. Darkness and light are alike to me. Neither by night nor by day can you escape my heart. You, my dear one, cannot be unloved. Amen. Thank you all for coming. I really appreciate it. Have a blessed day, a Sabbath, and the rest of the week as well. Thank you for joining us for Growing You. Next, next week, we will hear from the Comfort and Care Ministry here at LaGrave. We'll talk about the team's work in the midst of this congregation and their hopes for the ministry going forward.